0: 2020 will be one of those years that stand out in history, like 1968 or 1776 even. The scale of loss with the COVID-19 pandemic, the racial justice reckoning, the political war that culminated in the election between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, it all defined this year. Our photographers at CQ Roll Call have been there every step of the way. They started out the year covering an impeachment trial with the rest of the newsroom, and even that would have been, you know, in any normal circumstances, a very big deal for the year. But that was just January. We soon found ourselves in this campaign and then the COVID pandemic and all the while, they were there documenting what it looked like, what it felt like, uh, what was going on. Bill Clark, Ton Williams, Caroline Brayman, welcome to Political Theater. We're going to talk about your favorite photographs of the year and what went through your head as you prepared for a, a really not just a momentous time, but also a, a dangerous time. Welcome. Thanks
2: for having us. Thanks, Jason.
0: So, Bill, let's let's start with you. Um, you know your um, you know your your photos are always I I because I have been so familiar with the three of yours work. I feel like, uh, I could almost be shown, uh, different photos, um, that each one of you, uh, pick because of your different styles and so forth. Um, and I was intrigued by some of the selections for your photos of the year, but in particular, your, what you picked as your favorite of the year. Uh, let's, let's talk about that image.
1: All right. The photo I picked was from the memorial service for uh, John Lewis, who passed away this summer. It's not necessarily my favorite photo, but it illustrates so much of what happened this year. With us working in the Capitol, almost everything of importance is being pulled now. We did not get a pool position.
0: And real quick, when you say Pooling, what you're referring to is that one or two photographers are set aside. They cover one event and then they share it with their colleagues.
1: We haven't been able to just wander into a big hearing and take pictures and wander out. We needed to keep social distance as much as possible and not have crowds of reporters and photographers around lawmakers. So, um, as we like to do anyway, staying away from the obvious picture and getting away from the crowd, we spanned out across the city and I went to the line of people waiting to go see the casket and uh the woman's holding a Black Lives Matter sign it's got a picture of John Lewis in the background it just brought in the the pandemic because there's nobody around she's wearing a face mask and it just illustrated how we had to adjust the way we work to still tell the story but in a different way
0: and also i mean you know lewis lewis's death um you know at, at age 80 I mean, he had been um diagnosed with pancreatic cancer uh last year and it was not something that that came unexpected necessarily, but it was still such a loss for the Capitol because of his place, not just as a member and as somebody who had this just truly like genuine presence and, and the ability to uh, to talk to anybody, uh, whether across political lines, geographic lines, whatever, but his moment in history. I mean, he has been at the forefront of the civil rights movement, you know, for more than a half a century uh, at the time of his death. And it just felt um, just one of many sort of kind of crushing moments during this year and not COVID related either. Um, you know, we, we're, we keep, you know, sort of sustaining the loss of, of the COVID pandemic, but this was, this was a big loss for the Capitol and it felt that. Yeah. And it's,
1: it's just like one of those years where we had big news events that would have been, like you said, a big news year anyway, and that would have been a major event this year. And it's like all of it's still overshadowed by the pandemic and presidential election. Right. So it's, um, strange times at the Capitol.
0: Yeah, for sure. Tom, uh, you are the longest tenured roll caller. Um, 20 years. 20, 20 years. But who's counting? Uh, yeah. Who is counting? And, you know, you, you've, uh, you've, you've seen quite a bit in, in your time here. Like, let's talk about your photo, which was related to the, the election. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. we had an election year. We had an election this year, too.
2: So the photo of the women down at the Lincoln Memorial... Yes. So that was taken when uh, Joe Biden was declared victor. uh, And that was on a Saturday. So that was during the day. And I ran down to Black Lives Matter Plaza, where I figured everybody would be gathering. And I was down there for about an hour or so, got a bunch of pictures. It was kind of a madhouse. Um, there's a lot of professional photographers and a lot of amateur photographers, and then people with their iPhone. You know, it was a madhouse. So I went back and filed. It's starting to be evening now, and I know there's going to be. I know a speech is coming up. I'm like, do I want to go back down there? Do I really want to deal with that crowd again? I was already there. I'm like, all right, let me try for something different. Maybe somebody's going to be on their phones watching. From the mall somewhere, so I started at uh, I started on the mall with my bike, and I drove past the Washington Monument. I saw some people there, past the World War II. Some people there got to the Lincoln, and there was a bunch of people on the stairs with their phones, but they weren't the phones were not bright enough to illuminate people's faces. It it didn't work basically. And these women were off to the side, kind of by the reflecting pool. And I saw their little setup. They had their they had their white claws. They had their little uh, speaker and their phone. And this this might work. I'm like, uh, hey, ladies, I'm with uh, roll call. Do you mind if I take your picture watching the speech? And they're like, yeah, sure. So I just set up on them, compose it up, took a ton of photos because there's just barely enough light coming off the screen to illuminate their face. It, the exposure is like really barely hanging on. I don't want to get too technical, but it was like a 20th of a second at like 5,000 ISO. And it's still like a stop <laughs> underexposed.
0: <laughs> ever the critic, Tom, ever the critic.
2: Right. The reason I chose that is because it's a nice picture, but it was a, it was a gamble that paid off. That could have gone South real quick. And I would have like had a hightail it up to black lives matter to get something. So, you know, worked out and just as in any good photo, there was a lot of luck involved.
0: Caroline, uh, it seemed like, uh, every moment that there was some, uh, very dangerous situation, uh, I would find out that you were headed right toward it. (laughs) Um, but, uh, your, you know, some your, your images, you know, were, were particularly arresting, um, in, in, in this year. Uh, let's, let's talk about, uh, your favorite.
3: Sure. So one of the favorites I had was a photograph of this person looting um, at this T-Mobile store, there's graffiti written across the window that says George Floyd. And going into that night, I wasn't planning on covering the protests. I covered them the day before. This was a Saturday night. And I knew I was going to be probably working the next day, trying to pace myself, take a day off. But naturally, I was still checking Twitter and kind of got news FOMO. 30 minutes before midnight, I decided to go and drive down to Black Lives Matter Plaza and see what was happening. And so by the time I got down there, a lot of activity had died down, but I decided to kind of walk down further away from the large crowds and kind of see the residual activity. As I was walking down the streets, it was really eerie to me to see these federal buildings with graffiti written on them, broken windows and doors, glass everywhere. I've just never really seen something like that before. And then I saw these people um, in the T-Mobile store and I struggled with, you know, whether to take a photograph or not. I know that, you know, the, the message of Black Lives Matter, like showing photos of people looting kind of gets away from the message. But I think as a journalist, it's important to, show all sides of an event and that's why i ultimately decided to photograph it and i think having the words like george floyd with this person looting in the back kind of just shows the complications of large movements and that's kind of why i liked the photograph
0: it is a, a a very complicated image and and i think that that it really is a, a sort of a service to you know the people who 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 follow us that, that we show that it's this this situation like there there is a very um there's a very important set of like issues that are being discussed with race um but it's also it's it it is this what is this moment that it's we can't look away necessarily um if we're being you know if we're doing our job so it it really it was um you know a a very you know incredible image also like when we were sort of prepping for this show, like you all had trouble narrowing it down (laughs) a little bit. And before I I go back to, uh, to Bill about some of uh, the images that I wanted to talk to with him, I also wanted to talk about the other image that you, um, that you struggled with perhaps being the one. And that's uh, what we'll, we'll uh, playfully call the spit take picture. Why don't you talk about that one?
3: Yes. Um, So, The other week I photographed the Million MAGA march, the first iteration um, in DC. I was down by Supreme Court and there was tons of people. I'm obviously still concerned as many people about getting coronavirus and there were a lot of people not wearing masks there. And the police had separated people who, who looked like they were part of the Antifa group versus people that were Trump supporters. So I was on Because there's a lot more Trump supporters there Uh, I was on the other side of this barricade and there I could social distance more so I was kind of just facing these people and basically I just felt like I was in the middle of like the sea had parted and on both sides people were just screaming at each other and I was in the middle and so I photographed this man he had his mask off and I could just see physically the spit flying from his mouth and the light just happened to catch it just right. So it came across in a photograph. Um, I remember there was a videographer next to me. He's like, I, I hope you caught that spitting, right? And then I posted it on social media and it kind of blew up. So I- it was nice to see that, you know, to show coronavirus in a photograph.
0: Right, and the phobias associated with it too. Bill, um, I, not to—I I don't want everything to be grim <laughs> uh, and necessarily. So, I, I actually uh, one of my sort of pleasant memories from this year, as much as there are a, f- a few. I, th- I think I was on a walk uh, on Easter the Easter weekend, and and there I saw you, and you were taking pictures of the Easter bunny, uh, the the socially distanced Easter bunny parade in my neighborhood. Talk a little bit about that.
1: I mean, this was this was the date that. Donald Trump had declared was going to be reopening of America and everybody back to work and kind of the first major holiday during the pandemic. So we all did some research to find different things to shoot church services being held inside or outside drive-through services. And I found out that there was going to be an Easter Bunny parade in on Capitol Hill and um, got in touch with the gentleman, who also turned out to be a reader of CQ Roll Call.
0: Of course. Like all sophisticated adults <laughs> and <Yeah>. Easter bunnies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I you know, met up with them and shot it. And it was just a surreal scene, you know, seeing these families celebrating Easter with base masks on and slightly scary looking Easter bunny in a convertible waving.
0: And let's be honest, the way people celebrate Easter is kind of weird, anyway. It's you know, it's right. it's this uh, Christian holy day uh, celebrating. Uh, what Christians believe the uh, the resurrection of their Messiah, and most uh, Americans and people in other Western countries celebrate it by putting by hiding eggs and making their children go look for them in yards. <laughs> so <laughs> that have been laid by gigantic bunnies. Uh, it's never made any sense to me, um, and I'm glad that you were able to capture that surrealistic moment uh, in in my neighborhood. <laughs> uh, Tom, I, uh, I I I want to ask you about um, melting Rudy. Uh
2: huh. Yeah, that was a fun one.
0: Tell me about it.
2: (laughs) So that was at the RNC, which is a real little room. And I was there uh, about a week before for McNaney And I kind of got stuck in the back. And I'm like, all right, I'm not doing that again.
0: This is Kaylee McNaney, the White House Press Secretary.
2: And some others. And I'm like, all right, I'm getting there like an hour early and do what like the wire guys do and women and just get right up front and park themselves right in front of the microphone. So I got there early, did that. And I'm shooting it, and then everybody's starting to see whatever that was hair dye. All the photographers are shuffling around because they're all <laughs> freaking out. The one staffer's off this side, they're talking to each other. They don't know what to do. Luckily, I was right in front, and he was able to turn. I was able to get both of them, both streaks coming down were his side, like a sideburn type situation
0: rivulets of uh, running hair dye or a mascara or whatever. Yeah. I don't know
2: if we've determined what that was. Yeah. So I was able to get both of them and it worked out pretty well, but I kind of felt bad because <laughs> you know, I was, I was in the Capitol building nine 11. I know what Rudy meant to the country back then. And as I'm walking back, I'm like, you know, what? if you're going to get up there and say all this crazy stuff and I didn't <laughs> feel bad for that long. <laughs>
0: Caroline you uh, you also were able to um, spend quite a bit of time on the road too and one of my favorite uh features that you did uh among the some several of the kind of trips you took was to the naval academy uh taking uh photos of the uh the plebes uh, reporting to Annapolis and how different that was in the uh during during a pandemic um why don't you talk a little bit about like how you worked to get that story because you basically had it to yourself
3: yeah so actually it was um our videographer jeannie uh hernandez she she brought the uh story idea and
0: substitute podcast producer too (laughs) yes
3: yes (laughs) she told me about it and so i started to make contact um with whoever i touch with and it was you know sort of difficult at first and i had intended to do a longer story but they ended up getting back to me a few days before and were like you have one day to do this so i made the best of it um got there very early it was kind of before any schools had opened and i was really curious about how they would be able to do all this physical training along with the classroom training um, with, you know, a big group of people. And it was quite interesting to, to see. And it was just interesting to see in general, kind of what they have to do for that program as well.
0: Yeah, I I do want to emphasize too that like you show you you were able to get these shots of them, you know, swimming, running, jumping over things. The the classroom the classroom stuff was great, sure. But but like, you know, yes. th- it was this weird thing where, you know, this is one of those, this is a military academy. People have to, you know, they have to be physically fit. And, you know, the 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 big image that everybody has that like, who's ever sort of seen in the Naval Academy kind of uh Iconography is the you know this greasy pole that they all have to try to like climb and you know we still don't know how that's going to go because this is, this is that plebe class will be at the end so uh, perhaps that will be uh, the next step uh, in your adventures with the naval academy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. Before before we wrap it up and I and I really I appreciate you know one of the things that's nice we did this last year uh, and one of the things that's nice is that I I I really like the way you all approach you know your your jobs and the way that you're able to articulate. I mean, obviously, podcasting is a is an uh, a, a hearing audio based medium but the the photographs that you're you're describing and what the thought that went into it and your approach I think is very valuable and it's very interesting to me um and I and I hope it's you know it's it's interesting to others because it it shows that you know this thing that everybody thinks that they can do because they all have a camera in their phone is incredibly difficult <laughs> and and uh and and in this case it was more of a challenge than ever uh so We've all, uh, we're, we are all travelers, all, all, uh, you know, all four of us uh, here. Uh, we all like to travel. We all like to go places. Um, you all always come back with good photos, whether you're on a work trip or, or a, uh, or a trip just for vacation or whatever. Bill, we'll start with you. What's your favorite trip you took this year? Um, and the image that came back if, if, that you either filed for, uh, for CQ Roll Call or that you are hanging on to as your own.
1: You know, we came into this year expecting to do a ton of campaign travel. It was such a big election coming up. And I did one trip for a primary race in Texas like back in February, I think. That was about all the official travel I did. But my favorite trip was my, my road trip starting in Las Vegas and going through Arizona and New Mexico. And, you know, by far my favorite picture is from the hotel you recommended in Sedona at sunrise of a hot air balloon coming up through the mountains and canyons. And it was a great trip. It got me out of D.C. for a few days and away from people and out taking pictures that weren't depressing as hell.
2: Tom, what about you? I believe I only did two trips this year. The big one was six days in Georgia and South Carolina. with seeing all those Senate candidates. I can't remember off the top of my head my favorite. The one that got the most traction was Roger Stone, Campaigning with Doug Collins,
0: post-pardoned Roger Stone.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was you know it's just it's just surprising to, to see you associate yourself with that guy. But I guess the Republicans were all trying to outflank each other to the right. I don't know what the what the thought process was, but everybody got a kick out of seeing him there at the uh, event, and it was just an important trip just to get headshots of everybody because you know people were making news, and you know we're still in a runoff, so we have you know pictures of that. So. Uh, that was good. My favorite part was getting barbecue in South Carolina, though. <laughs> South Carolina, Bill Clark's home state. So yeah, and he did not eat at a Waffle House the whole time. No, I saw many. Sure. I just couldn't fit it in my schedule. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Caroline, your favorite trip and uh, photo from it?
3: Like Bill, uh, we have a shared love of Las Vegas. I took a trip out to Las Vegas in February.
0: I gave up.
1: Yes. Graciously. For Caroline to I gave
3: up. <laughs> And yeah. um, that was for the Nevada caucus.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And before roll call, I was um, interning out in Las Vegas. And this was my first time g- coming back to Las Vegas since moving to DC. So, personally, it was really great to see some old friends and colleagues that I had worked with. And I just, I, it was kind of the most election coverage I got to do this year and I I really loved it. I got to do everything from seeing my first presidential debate to go out to Pahrump, which is this very dusty desert town about, I don't know, at least over an hour outside of Las Vegas. Bill
0: Bill and I can probably tell you the exact mileage and and time to Pahrump.
3: (laughs) Yes, yes, which... (laughs) I have enough time for this podcast, but, <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, so that was, it was really fun, um, to just cover all of the candidates being there. I think, I don't know if I have a favorite photo, but the first photo that comes to mind was the day of the debate. I was walking around on the Las Vegas strip and the debate was held at the Paris hotel and casino and, they have this big marquee advertising the debate. And I took this photo of these showgirls walking by. And think really like the juxtaposition of politics in classic Vegas. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, it's,
0: it's funny how many great photos in Nevada come from those sort of marquees. Because the one that yes. st- stands out to me is from Bill and I's trip in 2016 to Pahrump. And they, yes. there was a uh, Ted Cruz event. Uh, and on the marquee of the Holiday Inn, uh, they ran out of D's. So it just said Tay Cruz uh, for the longest time before they could finally find a D. <laughs> and Bill just got this great photo of of that. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it Pahrumpf. For for those of you listening who have not been to Pahrumpf, uh it's it's where the you know, the some of the the various ranches that uh, Nevada hosts uh, mm-hmm. are are housed. <laughs> well, um Caroline, Tom, Bill, thank you so much for uh, the work you do. I, I really do, you know, consider it a privilege to work with all of you. Um, I think your your work is just top notch, and I learn from it. And Caroline, the, the next the next book uh, of of roll call photography, uh, there 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 may not be room for those two other guys uh, <laughs> next to you there um, because uh, you're you're just uh, you're you're all great. You know, thank you so much for what you do. I really
2: appreciate it. Thanks,
0: Jason. That's going to do it for this edition of Political Theater. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, we will see you in the new year.